0: Hey everyone, this is Adam Ellenboss from Nightlight Astrology, and today we're going to preview the changing of the nodes of the Moon into Aries and Libra, which will be happening in 2023, and will give us a whole new set of eclipses. I thought this would be a good thing to do because we essentially, not completely, but essentially just finished our last sort of major set of eclipses in uh, Taurus and Scorpio, when the next eclipse season comes through in the spring of 2023, we're gonna get one of those eclipses in Aries. And then it's like we're we're, started, we're turning the chapter into um, new eclipses with the nodes moving into new signs by June. Um, so today what we're going to do, we're gonna do this in two parts. Today, we're gonna to look at some of the archetypal signatures of the um, north and south node of the moon in Aries and Libra, both as a pair and individually. Um, And then tomorrow what we'll do is we will look at the house pairings. So we will look at what house axes the eclipses will fall across based on your uh, rising sign. Um, So I figured split it into two, it'll be a little bit more manageable that way. Um, We can have a little bit more time for both as well. So that's, that's our agenda. Um, and again, I just like, I like to do this when an eclipse season is winding down and I know the next one is going to be in a new sign. I'll start researching and thinking about the next series of eclipses. Um, Now, uh, before we get into it, of course, uh, don't forget to like and subscribe, share some comments. It helps the algorithm find the channel. Really appreciate you guys for doing that. Um, It's always nice to hear your thoughts, too. If you ever have any stories about transits that are happening, by the way, don't forget, use the hashtag grabbed. Uh, When you use the hashtag, I can find my little sign. Yeah, here it is. Use the hashtag grabbed or send your story to us. At the email address grab.nightlightastrology.com. One of the names for the ancient planets were grahas, which means grabbers. And we like to aggregate your stories and sh- you know showcase how the you know how the planets are showing are coming into your life and sort of seizing your consciousness and hopefully with some humor or you know some good learning that comes with it. So I like to do those storytelling episodes once in a while, trying to aggregate some more for maybe a storytelling episode later this month. Uh if you'd also like to send us one of your biggest astrological experiences of the year, maybe a transit you had to your chart. I'm thinking of doing one that's kind of like, what was what was the biggest transit of your 2022? Um, and maybe we'll do a Grabbed episode sharing that. But you need to, if you're going to do that, use the hashtag Grabbed. Tell us the transit. Keep it simple. Don't make it a super complex one. Do something simple like Pluto was opposing my moon or <clears throat> something simple and give us a really poignant story to share. We appreciate that. We'll try to put together a good episode uh, before the end of the year, maybe. Anyway, um, we are also in the midst, as you all know, of promoting the annual Kickstarter. We are trying to reach sixteen hundred backers, sixteen hundred and eight backers. As of right now, we are at four hundred and seventy-one, so we're closing in on about like almost getting to like a third of the way there. we could still use a lot of help a $5 donation is just as appreciated as anything else. Obviously it's great when people pick up one of the reward bundles, get some of my classes put together or something like that. But, uh, literally, you know, a dollar donation, $5, $10, anything that says to us, Hey, we appreciate this programming. It means a lot to us. We can throw in a one-time donation to support. Um, When you do that, and by the way, you can find the link to the Kickstarter in the description of this video or the comments section below. When you do that, you'll be taken over to the Kickstarter and you will notice that you can choose a reward when you pledge. You can pledge without a reward and just do, you know, do whatever you want. And then there are rewards as well. We make a special calendar for the year ahead, videos about the astrology of the year ahead. There's an exclusive podcast I'm doing next fall that's only available through the Kickstarter called The Oracle Speaks. It's about how to develop a relationship with an oracle and what role that plays in the development of your skills as an astrologer. Uh, That's going to include interviews, history lessons, chart, uh, chart readings, all sorts of interesting things. So check that one out. Uh, there's some uh, mini readings that I do for people. Um, and then all of my classes are on sale. Um, the Roots and Spheres Moon Circle, where we're working with herbal teachers and looking at the moon cycles month by month. My wife, she's an herbalist, so we'll be working together. The Masterclass Series. Um, and then my first year class, my second year class, my horary program, um, and also my Readings and Passages Advanced um, advanced Course. That is for people who are looking for an advanced level of practice and craft discussion, uh, where we also have live clients come in and we work with them. So you can pick any of those programs through the Kickstarter, you can bundle four of them together. And when you do, you get about 75% off um, the normal price of a course. Uh, so the um, just to give you an idea, the early bird rate is usually 12.99 for one of my one year certification courses. I have four of them. Um, if you pick up the four class package, It takes it down to $500 per class, which is incredible if you're looking for an extensive, immersive astrological education. You can also gift those programs to people. You can apply those four classes to literally any of the programs. The four that are listed, I didn't give us room for all of them in the description. So um, when you see that four class pass, you can use that on Roots and Spheres Masterclass Series in any of the one-year programs as well. There's a new masterclass series every year. You don't have to redeem these right away. You can use them any year you want. Uh, you could also gift one of them in the bundle if you wanted to use two of them and gift two of them or use three and gift one. Uh, so take advantage of that. Uh, we did that. We put that up as a way of saying thanks to everybody for reaching 50,000 subscribers on the channel. Uh, thank you guys for supporting this channel. Um, uh, really appreciate it. And uh, this is... You're, when you support the Kickstarter, you're supporting my staff, myself, my family. Uh, this is how a big part of how I earn my living. And so I can't thank you enough for, uh, for listening to me pitch this every day and also for supporting us. We really appreciate it. All right, let's get into it. <clears throat> Here is the transits of the moment. And here's where things are heading. Um, so you're going to see the nodes of the moon are changing signs. We're going to go into June. And I use a mean node calculation, use mean or true node calculations. I won't go over the difference between them. But according to the mean node calculation, it is in July of 2023 that the nodes of the moon change signs. Now, if we back up a little bit, I want to show you which eclipses are going to come through in the spring. So eclipse number one. Happens at the very last degree of Aries, so we're the first eclipse of of our spring eclipse season is happening at that anoretic degree of Aries. That is around April nineteenth. Okay, so already we're starting to see the transition into you know eclipses happening in a new sign. Although the North Node and that in this case that's helping form the eclipse, there is uh in um is in the uh, next sign of Taurus. So. Then we go through and the next eclipse, which will be a lunar eclipse is in Scorpio. So we're sort of finishing up in the spring, the last eclipses in Taurus and Scorpio, but also starting to introduce the new eclipse, uh, the new eclipses in um, Aries and Libra. So, so, and then in July, the nodes of the moon change signs. Let's fast forward to that again. Now, uh, so eclipses in Aries and Libra. Take place as the nodes of the moon and the nodes of the moon technically change signs between July of 2023 and they stay there all the way until January 2025 and you can see how the eclipses will form. uh, Coming through so every time that the sun is going through the sign of the south node or the north node and you're going to have a full a full or new moon forming around those times that's typically when your eclipses come through so you'll see that as long as the nodes of the moon are moving through Aries and Libra, we're going to get eclipses. And it typically will happen during Aries and Libra season when the sun is moving through those signs. So that moves along and we're getting eclipse. And sometimes the, you know, during the, these periods, are gonna have some eclipses that fall out of sign. But for the most part, the nodes moving through those signs are the indicators that we track to get an understanding of when the eclipses will fall in the new signs. So. This is all the way until late January of, if we go back it up just a little bit, you can see they change into Virgo and Pisces by late January, 2025. So fully July, 2023 to late January, 2025, the nodes of the moon are in those signs. Um, so what I want to do today is talk about the three main things that I think we can watch for with the. Nodes of the moon changing signs and getting eclipses um, in Aries and Libra again. Now, eclipses happen in roughly nine and 18 year cycles um, where the nodes of the moon nine years ago will have been also in uh, um, Aries and Libra. So let's look back and we can we can track it. Um, So we go back to 2000 March of 2014. Let's go back to that really quick. And here we go. So you'll see that right here, the nodes of the moon are also changing signs again. This is in March of 2014. Here the nodes change signs into Aries and Libra. Again, this is according to the mean node measurement. March, late March 2014, they change signs. And they last there all the way through October of 2015. So... That was the last time. Now, what's different about this is that during that period the south node of the moon was in Aries and the north node was in Libra. Uh, We essentially are going to have the reverse of that in these upcoming eclipses. We'll have the north node in Aries and the south node in Libra. Okay, so that is... Something that happens every nine years that they'll they'll return to the same signs, but the nodes will have flipped in their orientation. Most people probably know that if you're listening to this. Uh, now, I mean, not everybody, but if you if you know, m- most people learn that pretty early on when they're you know getting studying astrology. Let's go back before that. The eclipses prior to that in Aries and Libra took place between November 2004. Let's go forward to November. So here you can see the nodes of the moon are just about ready to change signs again. And there they change into Aries and Libra. And now they are, this is roughly, this will be like 18 years roughly prior to the eclipses we're about to get between 23 and 2025. And those eclipses are going to be happening um, uh, back in the signs or with the same orientation that they're about to come. they're about to create again in the year ahead. So North node in Aries, South node in Libra. I have found that more important than it is to, I mean, it it is important to understand the difference between the orientations, but even more basic and for most people more manageable is to understand the house axis that they fall across in your birth chart. So um, what we'll be doing tomorrow is I will be taking you through You know, what does it mean if you're a Sag rising like you're looking at on the screen right now and the eclipses were happening across your 11th and 5th houses, which will be the same for Gemini risings and regardless of whether you have the North node in one or the South node in the other. What are the complementary set of topics and tensions that tend to come about as a result of that combination of houses and signs. So we will be looking at that tomorrow because one of the best things you can do with eclipses if you want to understand what they are likely to bring is to go back in time and study what was happening in your life during those periods. Now, <clears throat> excuse me, let's say you don't know a whole lot about, um, let's say you don't know a lot about the houses. You're, you're like, oh, you know, I, I'm not sure that I could um, track according to the houses very well. I'm not at that level yet. Okay. Fair enough, the thing that you can do is, uh, you can take a look at, just in general, what was happening uh, in your life around this time. So I wanna give you an example of something that was happening in my own life, but I'll I'll actually, I'll wait a minute to get there. All right, hold on just a second, I've got a cough. All right, sorry about that. Okay, so, um here are the three things to watch for. Now, keep these periods in mind. I'm going to return to them in just a second. Um, so the, th- the three things to watch for, and again, most basically, uh, eclipses are historical. Um, as circles and cycles of the moon and of lunation cycles, they are like very, very biographical. Um, they tend to They don't always read in a linear fashion, uh, but they have, eclipses carry history and the weight of your own personal history. Uh, So the first thing to watch for is this idea that with eclipses, history will repeat itself. Um, But as it repeats itself, it doesn't do so in a way that is identical to the past. But rather in a way that deepens upon themes that have already been visited, the way that I like to uh, conceptualize it when I'm—I certainly didn't make this up. I—I've heard this said from, uh, you know, many other I think uh, brilliant minds. Is that our growth is like a spiral, not a straight line. I'm sure you've probably heard that before as well. So if you think about e- eclipse cycles. It, it's like you're re- you're you're returning to the same point on a spiral. And you could conceptualize the spiral as moving up in some way, you know, or as moving down, you know, deepening or ascending. I don't think the orientation in, in my mind is not the important point of, or am I moving up towards some level 10 spiritually, you know, or am I deepening into the depths of my soul and my authenticity? However, you're you know, whatever captures your imagination, but it's like a spiral. And when you come back around, the same themes will come up. And sometimes the same topics, the same people, the same places, old lovers, like literal things. But often it's just archetypally thematic things will recur. But they will, they'll have, you'll be peeling back a deeper layer of the onion. Now, that's another beat up like image, but like that, it's true or you'll be revisiting it but from the perspective of a lot of time and a, hopefully a lot of wisdom and maturity and life experience. For example, when you see these things circle back around in the house of uh, in the across the 1st and 7th house axis, you will often see people return to concerns or questions about their physical appearance, health or psychological identity. And it will be a revisitation of the same themes that have come up around this person's body, psychology, behavior, identity throughout their whole life. But it will it will deepen. Now, this is where I said I want to share a story. So I say, I use that example for a reason. I'm just coming off from eclipses in Taurus in my first house. So, you know, in the past couple of years, for example, my uh, physical health has been uh, a real A real focus for me Um, and gradually and progressively getting healthier, uh, spending a lot of time in the gym and honing my diet with a nutritionist and getting better sleep and learning how to care for my immune system, especially with kids that are always getting sick, you know, at school and stuff. So there's been a lot of focus on that. If I look back at the previous eclipse cycles in Taurus, it was very similar, but I was a lot younger <laughs> and like, frankly, just kind of dumber. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, but, but you know, I don't judge myself or anything. I'm just joking, but you know, earlier stages of life, you'll go through similar themes, but you know, you're going to be, you're going to be visiting those themes in a completely different way. How about identity? Well, a big part of my identity is rooted in, you know, religion and spirituality and things like that. So no surprise, as the eclipses came back around to the first house of identity, as in the previous periods when uh, eclipses were happening in that house, I had major turning points in my personal identity as it related to religious groups or ideological or philosophical or spiritual beliefs and belief systems. Um, And that's specific to my birth chart, right? That's the way that my first house, you know, for example, my first house ruler, Venus, is in the fourth house of home and family. And I grew up in a very religious family. My father was a preacher. So the point is that, but the simplest way, and this is why I say the simplest way to get into the eclipses is to look at which houses they're falling in, which again, we'll try to unpack that more tomorrow. But then you wanna think to yourself, what was happening during these previous periods and then think it's not just, people get scared. They're like, oh my God, is history gonna repeat itself? Well, yes, it is um, because the moon is cyclical and the the moon wants to bring us back around to the same things. Um, But by bringing us back to the same things, it's not just so we can perfect something. I, I don't. I think that's a really problematic way of conceptualizing why history repeats itself. Well, you've got to get it right. Actually, I think over time, history repeating itself wears down rough edges, opens our hearts, softens us, and helps us to love more, become more devoted, more accepting of ourselves, less critical. Uh, one of the things that i noticed for example with first house eclipses right was exploring the self-talk the meta self-talk like my thoughts about my thoughts you know and and realizing like oh yeah there's there's so much about in the first house which is so much about identity and behavior it can also be very physical and related to health and stuff like that but okay, there's this whole meta level of processing my own psychology, reflecting on my own behavior, and the inner voice there is kind of strict and harsh. And when I look back at the previous series of eclipses, I was coming to basically the exact same conclusion, but um, in a very different setting in my life. And I was amazed when I looked at the parallels that I was like, Oh my God! The same thing is happening all over again, you know. And, and, and you know, if I'm if I'm super critical of myself, I can be like, "Well, you're getting it wrong." No, I'm. I, I feel like it's not about getting anything right or wrong with eclipses and with history repeating itself. It's much more about um, embracing our our life and our humanness at a deeper and deeper level. There's something frustrating about eclipses in that. They bring you back around to something that you thought, oh, I was over that, you know. <laughs> Only not, be, and not so that, but, but specifically so that you can release the mindset that you have to perfect or get over something. I think it was Ram Das who originally said, if you think you're enlightened, you know, go home and spend a week with your family after all these yoga retreats you go to, you know. <laughs> well, going off into our adult life and taking up all these spiritual endeavors and activities is a lot like, you know, going to yoga retreats, you know, <laughs> and we have to be taken back home sometimes to be met with the intractable humanness and imperfection that is also here in the world. It's that stubborn refusal for the world's wounds, you know, to go away. They, they just refuse to go away. And it's the insistence that the world has on letting wounds be wounds, you know, and you, you return to those in eclipses, you embrace them, you face them at a deeper level. And interestingly enough, I think you become a deeper person. I think you don't overcome something, you don't perfect something, but you become deeper. That's how I think of it anyway. And there's maybe of con- other ways of conceptual- conceptualizing it. But that's the first thing I wanna say is that history repeats but deepens, think spiral, not straight line, and then go back to these periods and reflect on them, journal with them. You know, if you wanna do something really profound, I've actually done this before. I didn't do it this time, but I have done it before. Um, we did a lot of vision boarding in our yoga teacher training programs at our yoga studio in DC that we had for almost a decade. So, and my wife is like very, uh, she's big on the power of, of vision boards. I'm, you know, I love, I kinda love to make fun of them, but I reluctantly do them and think that they are pretty cool too, so. Um, go back and start writing down all of the memories that you can about these previous periods. Let's look at them. To The spring of 2014 through the fall of 2015. Write down all the memories, all the things that you were learning, all of the frustrations, all of the victories, You know, just write it all down and make a vision board dedicated to that period of time. Then make another one. This is November 2004 to about June of 2006. Look at all of the major accomplishments, things you were learning, growth that happened, frustrations that came up and make a vision board. Literally just sit them sit them down somewhere. There's an altar, your desk, wherever. Um, in that way, you will start bringing the energies of the previous cycles to bear on the psyche now. And as you go forward into 2023 and these eclipses start going through, I promise you, it will be easier for you to start picking up on and noticing the connection biographically and the spirals return. Um, At which point you will be, I think, more capable of embracing what's happening because you've taken the time to show some devotion to these previous periods. So that's an activity that I've done before. I haven't done it for this one, maybe I should, But I highly recommend it because see, one of the reasons that I'm sometimes I don't do things like that, but I recommend them is because I'm thinking about the astrology, journaling about it, writing about it, talking about it, teaching about it every single day. So it's a little easier for me. But if you're not like I feel like if you just take in astrology in a slightly more casual way or you're like a growing student of astrology, it's these kinds of things that for me were like lighter, you know, like pouring gasoline on the fire of, of my growth and understanding of these patterns. So I highly recommend that activity, if you, especially if you've never done anything like it before. And now we have these new eclipses between July and July 2023 and January 2025. So history repeats itself, but deepens. Think spiral, not straight line. Tomorrow, we will try to help all of you um, to understand the cycle uh, by house topics. Okay, so biographically, um, like that. Now, I also want to just, I'm just going to pop the chart up and just give you an example. Because I'm just going to show you two connected themes in my own life. And hopefully, this just sort of stimulates, um, you know, your own process. And I'm just going to keep them really super simple. They're looking at several years of your life with eclipses, you can conjure up a lot of things. So By making this simple, I'm not trying to suggest that you should find one core theme. There are many, and it's not bad to have a lot of different things that kind of showed up. All right, so when I go back to 2004 to 2006, this period of time for me was the beginning of my um, uh, path to becoming sober uh, through uh, initiation into the world of ayahuasca. That is one of the main things that was defining about this period was um, sobriety. And w- also came with sobriety was the development of um, all different kinds of practices that started helping me become stronger and healthier mentally, emotionally, and physically. And that was 12th house, 6th house eclipses for me. Okay, so very basic defining feature of the 2004 to um, 2000 and. Uh, whoops, here we go, 2004 to 2006. So you could go back again, November 2004 to June 2006, take notes, see what kinds of themes were really prominent. Now let's go forward to the next set. This is um, 2014 to uh, October 2015. So the eclipses returned at that point. Uh, into those these two houses. All right. So um, at this point in time, I what's really interesting about this is uh at this point in time, I was leaving the ayahuasca community. I felt like it had like really served its purpose and its role. And I um I was becoming sober again. I didn't have, I didn't, I wasn't like I didn't ever relapse into addiction with opiates again. That left. But I was—I would just say, like once in a while, I would smoke or drink, um, like one, like very socially, very casually. I'm talking like once a month, or maybe once every other month, or something like that. But I was becoming—we got—we got married. I was becoming a father, and I left my ayahuasca community and was deciding to commit to a more full, like full-bodied sobriety. Because I wanted to go into being a dad, you know, on the right note. And so once again, I found myself adopting new practices outside of the ayahuasca world, which has sort of formed the basis of my practice for a long time. New practices devoted to kind of a new level of sobriety, like dad sobriety, I would call it. <laughs> which I feel like I've maintained since and I'm very thankful for. Um, uh, it's always one day at a time of those of you out there who are on of sobriety know. But um, deepened uh, the sobriety, new practices came in to support that. And I left the ayahuasca community that I was a part of. Isn't that interesting? So you can see this connective tissue. Um, and who knows if any of those things will be literally what, what's involved with this next stage of my life. But I do think it's interesting that as the eclipses are coming in, I'm essentially transitioning out of a different religious and spiritual community and, you know, kind of slowly letting myself figure out what if anything will be next and blah, blah, blah. So that was not, I, I, I I hope that that's like, not just useless navel gazing, that, that that sort of sets the stage for you about how patterns and stories can repeat. And sometimes they're not as obviously connected. Sometimes they're more thematically than literally connected, like the ayahuasca joining and leaving is very like literal, but, um, sometimes it's more thematic or psychologically consistent than it is event consistent. So just keep that in mind. All right. So um, start journaling, start looking at that tomorrow. We'll deepen with houses. Um, The number two thing to watch for with eclipses moving into Aries and Libra are Mars, Venus tensions. So, you know, what can you say about Mars, Venus tensions? They manifest in literal battles of the sexes or in clashes around you know, uh, gender and sexuality, um, they can, they can be like the classic debate between, you know, um, you know, uh, what is toxic? What is a toxic or healthy expression of masculinity or femininity? So any of the just classic Mars, Venus stuff, as well as the tension between Mars, Venus, that can be romantic, sexual, seductive, um, kind of erotic, uh, a lot of just topics around human sexuality uh, can come up with eclipses in these signs, and then Mars-Venus tensions can also manifest in terms of things like individualism with Aries versus um, social or um, harmony-based relating. You know, uh, diplomacy versus war. Um, You can muscle and assertiveness versus, you know, um, harmony and receptivity. So all the classic Mars-Venus tensions will be made manifest. Uh, You know, one of the things that I find interesting is, um, you know, when eclipses fall across these signs, and I was looking back because I had a busy client practice, and I was just looking back in my notes to see, like, who I was talking to during that time and so on and so forth, and you know, a lot of people with Mars, uh, the Mars-Venus tension, Aries-Libra, regardless of where the signs fall in your chart, will deal with um, power struggles, uh, new, forming new relationships and having to, you know, get used to each other um, and, and each other's needs and wants. Individual versus cooperative, um, you know, tensions or needs and relationships, um, divorce, affairs. Uh, Those kinds of things are kind of obvious, but those are the kinds of things that often stand out when Venus-Mars tensions are in the air. Now, we just had Venus-Mars tensions in the air with Taurus and Scorpio. And so you might ask how things are different. We are moving from fixed signs into cardinal signs. And so one of the things that's really different and feminine signs to masculine signs, the kinds of, the kind of tension Present in Venus and Mars is masculine signs who are also cardinal or what we call tropical signs, tropical from the word tropos, which means a turning point. One of the four turning points, the solstices or equinox, are all called tropical, meaning when the sun gets there, there's a critical turning point in terms of the balance of light and dark or yin and yang within the solar year. Um, so the equinoctial, you know, turning points, cardinal turning points. Um, in masculine signs are fast. They're powerful. They're they're dynamic. They they pack much more of a punch, and when eclipse happens, eclipses happens in masculine signs of a tropical nature, things happen suddenly. Whereas with Taurus Scorpio, it's a little bit more of a slow burn where things that have been sort of building, boiling, developing, stuck that needs to that need to change or things that need to stabilize or things that have been stable that are being, you know, destabilized, all the fixed energy. It's very different than cardinal energy which tends to initiate. It's fast, it's dynamic, it's active, it's assertive, it's sudden and it represents a critical turning point in the plot line. Those kinds of events, you know, honestly like <laughs> You know, it's like, what do you, what do you prefer? You know, it's like some people would love the, 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 kind of slow, more gestational nature of like eclipses and fixed feminine signs. Um, it's not like they're any less intense. They're, they're just, it's like a different time signature in, in like a piece of music. So, but these will, when we, especially when we have that uh, first eclipse um, in the spring of 2023, that last degree of Aries, you will feel it as a, a bam because it's also conjoined with Jupiter and Aries, which is pretty potent. Um, Anyway, so Venus-Mars tensions will also be much more active and dynamic and fast moving and sometimes more reactive. So that's just something to keep in mind that the same Venus-Mars tensions that have been in the air will continue to be through the next series of eclipses, but their expression will be much more active and dynamic. Um, What else can we say about Venus and Mars? I mean, I think... The individual, the 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 sense of needing to do my own thing, regardless of what other people think, versus the pressure of Libra to be concerned with what other people think and to harmonize your will or way with the reactions, needs uh, of other people, um, diplomacy versus individuality. That, that those themes are like they're they're the first things you often learn about Libra and Aries as an axis, but. Uh, First things for a reason, you'll see that those themes repeat over and over and over. Although where they repeat and how and what areas of life is makes it a lot more interesting. Um, so that's why we'll, we'll be sure to look at the house placements. Now, finally, number three is the Sun-Saturn tension. Remember that in ancient astrology, Aries was also the exaltation of the Sun and Libra, the exaltation of Saturn. So it was there was a question, a rhetorical question put out by an astrologer, I uh, was in a in a text that we have from an astrologer named Retorius, who said, why is it that the sun is exalted at the place where Saturn is depressed? That means Saturn is depressed in its fall in Aries where the sun is exalted. And why is it that the sun is depressed in Libra where Saturn is exalted? We say that it is because the sun is the storehouse of fire and light where Saturn is the uh, ruler of death and darkness. And so where death and darkness is r- rising up, in the early sign of spring, uh, there the ruler of darkness is depressed. And where the, where the ruler of darkness is lifted up in the sign of the autumn equinox, there the sun is depressed. So there's a fundamental sun-Saturn tension in these two signs as well. Um, there's youth and there's the naivete of youthful pioneering endeavors. Like, let's explore, let's do something new. Let's start a business. Let's try something out. And that, you know, you know, if you think about youth metaphorically, no matter what stage of life we're at, there's something about it that's sort of like the fool card in tarot, just step out, take a risk, do whatever you're going to do. But then we have to learn and we reap what we've sown and we grow through wisdom, reflection, and through an understanding of shadow which is the counterbalance of Saturn in the sign of the fall or autumn equinox, which is the sign of the balance and the scales of justice and judgment. The sun enters the underworld and the actions or deeds of the soul um, are weighed, you know, the heart against the feather. So there's something about life and brightness and youth and vitality and heroism. And then there's also... What lies in the shadow of all of these very Aryan, solar, Marsy aspirations? Act too rashly, there will be consequences. Act too selfishly, you will lose people in your life. So the Sun-Saturn dynamic is also about, you could say, the the hero and the death of the hero. Or it's about uh, light and darkness or uh, light and shadow, conscious and unconscious. Now, it's easy to think, People mistakenly think like, well light is good and dark is bad or you know, but ancient astrologers weren't thinking like that. Um, when they say the sun is in its fall, they're describing an archetypal reality. not they're not saying, oh the sun I you mean know, that's the sun is bad or, or, or something like that. Um, so we we are going to have a tension in these signs that has to do with um, you know youth and old age. Uh, the shadow of of youth and naive, young, risk-taking, willful, excited activity and like mature, sober consequences and wisdom that comes from those things. Um, and those things happen more rapidly and suddenly in these cardinal masculine signs, which were said to be fast to express themselves. So uh, Sun-Saturn tension will also um, be a part of these eclipses. And that's one way that I would have of of also preparing people for them. Uh, Let me know if that makes sense. If you guys have any questions, feel free to drop them in the box and the comment section. Love hearing from you guys. If you have um, any stories to share about a transit of the year, uh, I would love to hear from you guys. Make sure you use the hashtag grabbed or email us your story grabbed at nightlightastrology.com. You can find transcripts of any of my daily talks on my website every day, by the way, if you want to, which is also nightlightastrology.com. Um, Last but not least, help us reach 1,608 backers. You can find the link to the Kickstarter in the description of this video or the comments. Here's the question I ask people. I'm like, okay, do you listen to this once a week, two times a week, five times a month, five times a year? And when you do, does it teach you something? Do you learn something? Does it shift how you're thinking about the world or does it help you learn and grow as an astrologer or does it give you just that sense that, you know, you're not alone, there's an astrological community out there. There is a whole lot of heart, soul, and love that is poured poured into making all of this possible and free for everyone year round, five days a week. So if you have five bucks, throw it in. Um, pick up a reward, pick up one of my classes, or something like that. We really appreciate it. Hopefully, we can meet our goal by the new year. And uh, yeah, thanks every day for letting me pitch this and um, you know try to take care of uh, our our staff and and uh, try to take care of meet some of our goals, including our donation-based reading clinic and stuff like that. So really appreciate you guys. Hope you're having a good day. We'll see you again tomorrow for more. Bye.